Hello and welcome to another episode of Inside the Digital Health and Sales Locker Room. I'm your host, Josh Pappas. Episode 22 features Scott Lease from Scott Lease Consulting. Scott is one of the gurus in the SaaS sales space. On the podcast today, we take a look at his best and worst sales story and really dig into his background on going on his own to be a sales consultant. Make sure to subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you get podcasts. And I think you're going to enjoy Scott's perspective on everything SaaS and sales. Excited to welcome Scott to the podcast. Scott, welcome. And we do a little origin story here. So would love to introduce yourself to the listeners and kind of give a high level background on how you got into sales and, um, and, and go from there. Yeah, thanks for having me, Josh. My name is Scott Lease. I have been uh, building and scaling sales teams for the better part of 20 years now. I left the uh, VP of sales world uh, about three and a half years ago, been running my own sales consulting company. I also run a company called Surfing Sales that puts on uh, sales and leadership events a couple times a year down in Costa Rica. And I run a revenue uh, community called Go to Market United, written three books, done some angel investing, do some private coaching and training. And uh, just anything involved with uh, entrepreneurship, solopreneurship, and sales has been a, a big part of my life for the last 20 or so years. So excited to be here and uh, and, and, and talk to you. And, and hopefully everybody gets uh, at least one interesting thing they take away from this conversation. Exactly, exactly. No, well, well, welcome to the podcast and super excited to have you on. I'd, I'd put you in the bucket of, you know, among the interesting you know, people there in the sales world with all those uh, various different backgrounds, great follow on LinkedIn. So excited to dig in on some of these topics. So before we dig in on uh, some of the more serious topics, uh, would love to start off with a little icebreaker. Um, and, you know, this is a little bit of a sports theme podcast or, you know, the blend of sports and pop culture. So I uh, wanted to start off, if you could do a tequila tasting with, you know, four, let's call it athletes or celebrities, uh, you know, what, what, which ones would you want to go to? Alive? Do they have to be alive? No, no, no. This is, this is carte blanche. Any, you know, in, mm. in history or, or, or live. Man. Okay. Okay. Bob Marley. Uh, Wow, this is this is tricky. Let's see, Bob Marley, Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, and let's say Barack Obama. I love the list. That's, 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 that's my quite a flight for some right there. Yeah, that's 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 quite a list. I'm sure from just you know stories perspectives, that would be. I'd love to be a fly on the wall on that. Um, Perfect. So we'll switch over. We'll do a couple segments and we start off with kind of an impact story. So I'm sure you have, you know, a lot to draw on here, but would love, uh, you know, particularly when we do this on the healthcare side, right? You know, focus is how did product or service help the patient, right? But um, interested in your perspective on, you know, if you had any stories on how, you know, closing a sale impacted, you know, another human being, right? Whether that's on the customer side or internally, and if anything stands out here recently on the sales side. Yeah, something stands out for sure. Uh, this was the very first surf and sales event that I ever put on. It's 2017. And this woman uh, bought a ticket, spent a couple thousand dollars to come to Costa Rica, Costa Rica with us. And uh, she was running her own uh, consulting business, consulting practice, right? And she was going through some challenges and, and, and struggles. And, and one of the things that we do at Surf and Sales is 
with a couple people, we do like a full breakdown and audit of their business and try to give them advice and steer them in a particular direction. And she just happened to be one of those people that, you know, want volunteered and got selected to, to do this. So we did this kind of breakdown and we made her think about things differently and, and suggested a little bit of a pivot and kind of rewording and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, she left and, and, and was super thankful, had a great time. And honestly, I didn't really think a whole heck of a lot of it because I'm thinking, well, you know, what are the odds that somebody actually follows through with advice, let alone really, really like major advice? Like, I think you need to pivot your business, reframe this messaging, start over kind of. And, you know, she fucking did it. She redid everything. And she reached out to us about a year later, updating us on the progress. She had grown like exponentially and now she's like super big shot you know and and her business dwarfs all of ours like put together and she sent people uh in the last couple of years that she's friends with or work for her to the event and you know it's she, she still credits uh to this day like those conversations we had on the beach in costa rica as as really like impacting her that that's by far the most powerful one that i can think of yeah, no, I, I love that because that's super powerful. Number one, the fact that she probably got out of her comfort zone to go there in the first place, much yeah, less yeah. take take the constructive criticism. And then probably, as you said it, she's already in the 1% for going, 1% maybe taking the cr criticism, and then probably yeah. the 0.001% to actually apply it. Yeah, you um, nailed it. I mean, this, this, this woman also had never been out of the country, uh, was not interested in going in the ocean or surfing. She really like put herself out of her comfort zone and, and kudos to her, you know? Yeah. Lots to say there. That's, that's great. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll awesome. And then we're going to switch gears a little bit here and I'm, I'm really interested in your responses here. So if you put back, you know, or, or recently, you know, we do a top and bottom 10. So if you think back to your sales stories or your sales life, I know you're always selling, you know, in some regard, Anything stand out as kind of the best or worst experience kind of being a, um, being a seller? Well, you know, the, there's always the first sale that you ever made that is probably pretty memorable for people. I can remember, you know, breaking certain sales records as an individual contributor, breaking those records as a, as a team, big milestones achieved, you know, first time passing a million dollars in ARR as a VP of sales or 5 million or 10 million or 20 million. First time, you know, having a, a company that I, you know, was an early VP at exit and get sold, things like that. So there's all those moments, you know, and, and then there's really difficult moments where, you know, you failed or, you know, I'm not talking just about like got hung up on, but like, Oh, wow. I missed my number or, Oh, wow. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get fired. And then there's some painful moments where, you know, people that you worked alongside of for a while, I've gone through some things, you know, illness, sickness, death. I mean, I've, I've lost people, you know, who passed away while they were working for me. So, you know, like, like all other parts of life, ups, downs, in-betweens, uh, lots of amazing memories, you know, along the way. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think I like I like the way you put those in those in those different buckets, right? Because it's it's probably evolved as you've seen over time, and you probably have perspective, right? I think the first first time you lose a you know sale, you're like, oh my goodness, this is this is the worst day of my life, and then you realize, oh no, and as you go through that that worst day of life, seems uh, pretty pretty pale in comparison. That's right. Yeah, if the worst thing that you go through today is having somebody hang up on you. God bless you, because that's not a very bad of a day compared to other people. But it's important to keep that, you know, top of mind. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. All right, so switching over, this is the MJ versus LeBron debate. Don't know if you're a basketball fan, but this is uh, on the sales twist here. So the topic I wanted to cover with you, and I'm interested in your perspective on, is uh, sales consultant or working for yourself versus just being a sales rep at a company, right? I know it's not for everybody, but would love maybe to start off on just you know the perspective on what prompted you to you know switch over um, and, and do that full time. Uh, maybe starting there, and then have a couple follow up questions from there. Yeah, well, I, I had been um, a VP of sales three or four times, and and that was ten plus years, eleven years, something like that. And it was then that I started thinking about going into business for myself and, and kind of seeing, okay, I need to find a way out of here because these same things keep happening. You know, the company blows up and gets to three, four, 500 people and my job starts to change and I don't really like it as much. And, you know, the demands on me, it's like, Hey, Josh, I know you average 30 points a game, but I'm, I'm going to need you to average a hundred for the rest of the year. It's like, come on, man, that's not even realistic. Right. So I sort of just got tired of, of all that. And so I started planning my, you know, exit, my escape, so to speak. But I wasn't, I'm a little bit risk adverse. So I wasn't somebody who just threw caution to the wind and kind of said, fuck it. Like I'm out. I'm going to go do my own thing. What I did was I had, you know, my kind of W2 income over here on the left side. And I had all this side stuff on the right side. And I just kept nickel and diamond this right side up more and more and more until the amount of income I had from side hustle businesses, consulting, coaching, real estate, everything else that I'm doing matched what I was earning as a VP of sales. And when those two things matched, I felt comfortable to say, you know what? I don't think I need this anymore. I'm going to go out on my own. And so that's what I did, you know? Um, but I, I, I took my time with it, you know, I think there's a lot of value in being an employee. You know, as you're young and coming up and learning the game, and you know, you're you're kind of playing with somebody else's money. Frankly, somebody else is 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 paying you. It's getting paid to go to boot camp, getting paid to learn about sales, business, leadership, all these things, rather than using your own money, being on your own, and making certain mistakes and whatnot. So, um, I would never. If I had to do it again, I would do it the same way. I would get all this work experience. I'd get to a place in my career where, you know, I was quote unquote successful or whatever. And then I'd start to figure out how can I branch off and maybe do my own thing. And I've been enjoying, you know, life of solopreneur and entrepreneur uh, ever since. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great point because I think there's a lot of, um, you know, call it LinkedIn wisdom, right? Where you just feel like you got to jump off almost a, a cliff to go on your own. And, and for some people that, that, that works and that's, that's fine. That's great. Um, now I guess more on the, the company side, cause you lived through it. And as you see now, are there any 
I guess, you know, a couple red flags that you could look for if you're either at an organization or, you know, within a sales organization, you know, to kind of understand when you maybe need to either move on, even if you don't you know, go work for yourself, but any yeah, learnings there from what you've seen? Yeah, there's three things that I would tell people to, to think about, right? And it's this little framework I've used called learned, earned, and burned. Is have you learned everything that there is to learn in this particular role? Have you, is there nothing else to, to study? Is there nothing else to improve upon? Is there no one else to teach you anything, right? I've learned everything there is in this AE role or this VP role. That's criteria one. Criteria two would be earned. What I mean by earned is have you maxed out your comp plan? Consistently maxed out. Because if you haven't, then you've left a lot of money on the table. And, and I would argue that you have not mastered this particular role. So if you, but if you're, if you've earned everything that there is and you're sealinged out, there's literally no one's going to pay you any more money. That's criteria two. And the third criteria would be burned. Are you getting burned? Are you getting passed over? Are you being mistreated? Do you feel unsafe in this, in this workplace? Has somebody screwed you over on your commissions? If you've, if you've been burned in some way, that's a problem. If you've hit all three of those criteria, you got to go. If you've hit two of those criteria, I would be actively looking. If you've hit one of those criteria, I would be passively looking. If you've hit none of those criteria, you probably should put your head down and stay exactly where you are. Yeah, I, I, I love it. So simple, but I think it's super impactful. Uh, when you when you think about as an employee, and I'm sure you led sales teams, what are either some resources or ways that you've seen to you know maybe start going down the path of side hustle, whatever you want to call it? Are there any? Yeah, I know you've seen it probably change, but as as you look at the current landscape, what would be maybe some of those first couple steps? Um, well, the doing easiest and also staying true. Yeah. Yeah, the easiest thing to do is just find ways to monetize your time and, and the skills you already have, right? So, you know, we all get these messages that say, hey, Josh, I'd love to pick your brain and, and learn a little bit more about that. You can just say to somebody, hey, happy to have a chat, Josh. My calendar is booked for like months out for anybody who's not a paying client. I don't know if you're open to that kind of thing or not, but, uh, you know, if you are, let me know shoot me over a Venmo or whatever, whatever you can comfortably afford. All of a sudden people are going to send you money just to have a conversation, a little bit of coaching. I'm not, you're not getting rich off of it, but somebody sent you 50 bucks to talk for 30 minutes. Somebody sent you 150 bucks to talk for an hour. Not a bad use of your time, especially if you're commuting, by the way. So that's the easiest place to start. And then I think you start to look at, you know, other endeavors, Right. Is there something you're passionate about? Maybe you're passionate about sports. Maybe one of your side hustles is buying and reselling old sports cards or memorabilia. Maybe you can uh, put on a tournament. One of the things that I'm working on doing is putting on a pickleball tournament here in, uh, in Austin, right? I took a sport like surfing, combined it with a sales conference, and I've monetized it and turned it into a business. So I think really starting with the things that you're already good at you love doing, you're passionate at, that's the, the easiest place to start. I think it's significantly harder if you're like, wow, a, a software business would be really lucrative. I should, I should go start that business. Or you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go start an auto dealership. It's like, what the hell do I know about any of that? No, I start by talking about the things that I'm going to talk about anyways, all day long for free. 
And then I just find little ways to monetize those things. And if I can monetize them to the point where they even cover one bill or two every single month, it's probably a good use of your time. Yeah. And, and, and I think people, especially, you know, that are maybe newer to it, just realizing you know, calculate that value of your time. And then also too, don't overextend yourself from an expertise. But as you've probably seen, you, ne you never know what little tidbit of information, right? They could be, you know, founder of software company XYZ, but you know, you helping them out on some tactical ways to do cold outreach or if sales, there's, there's, there's significant value there. Yeah. And, it's uh, funny. I mean, I've seen people blow up their sales job because they, they've been hell bent on getting a $5,000 raise from their company, right? 5,000 bucks over the course of the year. What is that? Like $400 a month. They could have took four to eight one-off brain picking phone conversations every month, monetize those for 50 bucks to a hundred bucks per. And there's your five grand extra that you did on your own without having to rely upon a company who may or may not value your skill set. I don't understand yes. why we put all of our power in an employer's hands. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Well, I think it goes back to your earlier point on kind of the three buckets and being able to keep those as, at the forefront and anytime, you know, one strays going from there. And um, that's that's been awesome to, to see. I, I love the pickleball. It's the craze everywhere else. And um, I guess golf, golf's the only sport that I actually pay money to, you know, lose my golf ball and run around and, um, yeah. you know, not be good at. But uh, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I did the same thing. You know, I, I, I just hosted uh, in April, I hosted a golf and sales event. This took sort of a spin off of surf and sales. Took like nine people out to Lake House uh, here in Central Texas. You know, went golfing two, three times, had good food, talk shop, business, held content, you know, and, and you can do it in such a way that you can monetize what you're doing while also helping people out. I walked away, you know, taking home seven, eight grand, just me from golfing with people and talking about sales and business for a couple of days. And I had three partners in the event. Not a bad gig if you can get it, right? No, not at all, right? And and, and again, even if you're doing it um, to be a part of it or, or, or paying to be a part of it, I think that exposure and experiences and we can- Yeah, talk about think about what you walk away from, right? Connections, possible deals, possible referrals, insights, skill set, right? All this kind of stuff. It's, it's really, it's, it rarely goes wrong when you're investing in yourself. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And so when you think about maybe in the framework for this, we do a you know, Mount Rushmore, but if you can, and I know it's going to be hard to nail it down to four, right? But for the listener's perspective, maybe four of those leaders that either made the transition or are working for themselves on the sales side. Um, you know, I, I know it might be hard to narrow it down to four, but maybe four people that people can follow to kind of, you know, see that journey and have made that journey and, and are great follows. Um, any that come to mind? Yeah, a, a couple. I mean, I mean, my partner in, uh, in surf and sales, Richard Harris is one. He was a salesperson, sales leader, and has been running his own coaching and training business, uh, for years. Um, <clears throat> My friend Justin Welsh is blown up on social media. He's got like half a million followers on every platform. You know, three, four years ago, he was just an average Joe VP of sales. Um, so he's somebody that comes to mind. Um, 
a friend of mine, Alexine Mudawar, she runs Women in Sales Club. You know, she's half my age or something like that and already doing big things, building community. She was an AE uh, and was and was successful. And she's somebody who's like made that leap of faith to be a, a solopreneur now. Um, so those those are those are three people on that Mount Rushmore. I guess there's four on Mount Rushmore. Fourth one maybe would be uh, my friend John Barrows. John has been doing sales training for for ages, um, and as somebody that I've gone to a couple times when I had some questions and needed some advice. No, those are this that's a strong four as for for sure. Don't worry, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of guests leave leave out the fourth on on, on the Mount Rushmore, but uh, yeah, because the fourth you, one, you, people are like, can I include myself? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and part of, you know, part of me starting this, right, is, you know, somewhat to help. So when you look at, you know, there's lots of opportunities, I think, for salespeople to transition and, and go different avenues. Um, in this in this current day and age, any advice that you give to somebody who you know, sits here, listens to this, or just in general, that's wants to make their entry into sales, right? With zero experience, or maybe they're from another industry. Have you helped people navigate that or any thoughts on being able to do that? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm actually a big proponent of hiring those kind of people. You know, I, I think experience and industry expertise is like the most over-optimized thing in the recruiting process. You know, I care a lot more about who somebody is right now and, and where they want to go and who they want to be than what they've done or who they've been previously. Um, so I would encourage those people to build a network, number one, get involved with different sales and revenue communities, which is sort of deep network building, uh, and master your craft. You know, it's amazing to me how many people were willing to spend an unlimited amount of hours as a kid or as a high schooler going to football practice or whatever their game was. You worked your ass off as a kid at that, where you were probably never going to be a professional, and yet you're unwilling to work at your craft, the thing that pays your bills, supports your family, and can possibly change your life. That, that, that dichotomy has not made sense to me. So master your craft. Yeah, I really like that because... Being able to master sales does not require a you know seven foot frame or uh, being good at you know, that's right the ball into in, into into in, into a hoop right. Um, not really like that. Uh, when you think about your kind of, I'm, I'm sure you have lots of different technologies, but can you point to one if somebody's uh, from a tech booster perspective, if somebody's going out there or technology that you kind of couldn't live without day to day um, running your consulting operation. Well, you know, given that we all work remotely, uh, you know, the video conferencing technology is something that you, I certainly can't live without at all. Um, and then the way that you communicate has evolved and changed. It's not just email. I'm, I'm plugged into a million different Slack working spaces. Uh, and then, you know, good old Google Suite for Google Docs and Google Slides and Google Sheets and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm a real kind of lo-fi person in how I, how I run my own business. Um, but those three things, you know, I think I would really struggle without. Yeah, no, couldn't, couldn't agree. And I guess as you grow the business, were there any, can, can you point to any 
kind of growing pains or, you know, do you get to a certain extent where you kind of have to maybe even bring in some other people for some certain, you know, housekeeping or bookkeeping? Um, but in any, any experiences like that, as people kind of grow from, Hey, yeah. this is, you know, making some money to, to where you are. You know, people have a lot of different philosophies, um, on this, you know, there's the camp that says outsource everything, delegate stuff, you know, fully maximize your time. And then, then there's my camp, which is like, I don't need to pay somebody a certain amount of money to send my invoices for me. Like I can send my own invoices. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, I don't want, I'm like controlling maybe. I don't want to trust some stranger to do all of that kind of thing. But when you run a one person business, if you run a consulting business, you have a capacity, meaning you can only work with X number of clients at a time before your head falls off and you just can't do the work. Right. So I hit that capacity sort of towards the end of year two and, and I had to hire a full time. Uh, excuse me, towards the end of year one, I had to hire a full-time employee for year two. And now I'm into to year three. Um, and I hired somebody who complements my skill set, who I've worked with previously for years, um, doesn't require a lot of, you know, management load. She's, she's phenomenal. Um, and so that was what I was thinking. It was like, I don't want to manage people. I don't want to, you know, take the time to like coach, train, onboard anybody. I don't trust very easily. So it's got to be somebody that I, that I know and trust, you know, big time, like already just got to have a complimentary skill set, got to help me take on more clients and, and augment the current offering. So those are the things that I was, was thinking about. Um, and you know, if I hit that point again, where the two of us are at capacity, God bless it. Because, you know, that would be a big, a big milestone and I'd have to make a decision, right? Am I comfortable where I'm at? Or do I want to try to take it, you know, one level up even further? Yeah. And I have to imagine from a selection criteria, I'm sure it's probably changed and evolved. But in terms of taking on clients, do you have any methodology for well, that? Think, or is it is it really? You know, when you're first getting started, you're, you think you know what your ICP is, your ideal customer profile. But most people, if they're being honest, are like, I'm going to say yes to everything because you're, you're just trying to like keep the lights on, stay alive, prove that you can run your own business. And over time, you start to really figure out, you know what? I can help the Josh's of the world way more than the Scots of the world. And so you start to, you know, decline some of those opportunities or you refer them to friends and colleagues of yours who maybe you're a better fit and you sort of lean into more of the, the right types of customers, you know, for you. And, and maybe you're fortunate enough to start raising your prices and that drops off some people that maybe weren't the best fit and attracts the people that really are the, the right fit. So that's a dance I think that everybody does, you know, and um, I, I wasn't immune to that. I said yes to a lot of things in the early days that now I probably would not say yes to. I'd, I'd, I'd rather spend my time, you know, doing something else and focusing on something else. Yeah, well, I think I think the power of no, particularly sometimes you do sales tasks, sales roles when you're working for a company, but just in general, like you, like you mentioned, you know, a lot of people are willing to help out, but you could say yes to a lot of 
request in your normal life and just being able to say no is probably good, whether you own your own business or you, you know, you're just able to get your day-to-day job, but much yeah. less, I think being able to, you know, to, to say no or value your time and be able to help the people that kind of value it in return, I think is, is, is a big skill, even if you don't you know, want to own your own business. Yeah, I agree with that. hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. So final couple. So when you, when you think about from a predictions perspective, do you see, I guess a couple of questions, right? So on the kind of sales consultant side, and, and as we move forward, do you see more people kind of going to this hybrid model? And do you see that, you know, the model changing specific to sales? And then I guess the second part of that question is just, you know, o- overall on um, how things are going from a SaaS software perspective. Um, how do you see some of that industry changing just in general with your experience? Well, I, I think that, uh, we're at the very beginning of a huge shift in how and how sales and businesses is going to be done. The, the genie is out of the bottle as far as in-office workplace environments. That's never coming all the way back. There's no way that people are going to voluntarily commute 30 to 60 minutes each direction again and uh, subject themselves to that. We've all gotten accustomed to a particular type of lifestyle. So I think remote slash hybrid is here for good, okay? With that, people have explored and leaned into their own passions and how to monetize those passions, and that is the side hustle stuff, right? And people are very keen to maximize those things and diversify uh, their income and where they spend their time. People are done working for tyrants. People are done being in environments where somebody subjectively decides that your quota should be 10 times higher than it is. You can get fired on a dime just because we need to satisfy the, you know, investors and keep the stock price up or, or whatever. People don't want to deal with that shit anymore. So I think what we're, what we're going to see is a bunch of people start to shift towards this like freelance sales person model where I leverage my brand that I've built, my expertise and skill sets and my network, and I can sell for anybody because Josh's company is trying to get into these five to six accounts. Well, I just happen to know people at those accounts. You can't get in there. I can. Let me see what I can do. And if I can open a few of those accounts and those accounts close, bang, I get paid for doing nothing but kind of freelance SDRing. And then I could turn myself into an LLC. All of a sudden, I've got tax benefits out the wazoo. I spend my time on the things I want to spend my time. I work when I want to work. I don't when I don't. I don't really answer to anybody. You're already seeing that happen with other professions like writing. There's a recruiting. You've seen it happen. I would not be surprised to see it start to happen in sales even more. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's spot on, and, and and I think one of sometimes the biggest miss that I see is in that scenario that you uh, that you described is there's a lot of people that want the um, call it the open SDR, the doors open, and then I think what's what's happening is is there's there's a lot of services or automation you know for that, but you and I both know okay the doors open. Now you're in the conversation. I think the biggest miss is being able to, um, and, and a lot of sales reps have that have that experience of 
that end to end sales cycle and actually pulling that through. Right. Cause founders, a lot of times, particularly early on feel like, okay, yeah, if you can open up some of those doors and then I'll sell it, but their version of a running a you know, end to end sales process and the people that have actually done it and been in the fires, I think there's going to be a more of a demand than that uh, to, to be able to actually pull those through. Right. Cause I, I sit in on some, some calls or work with some different companies and uh, sometimes there's a big disconnect, get off the phone and it's like, yeah, they're, they're, they're bought in. Meanwhile, I'm looking at my notes and I'm like, we don't even know if they're a qualified opportunity, much less a sales product. So it's it's going to be interesting to follow. Yeah. It's fun to uh, it's fun to think about what the future of the profession would look like. I might be completely wrong. I might be right. We'll see. Yeah, well, we'll we'll, we'll play it back uh, once, you know, once once we get to that point. Yeah, All right, the time final... to, we'll open it up five years from now. <laughs> Only, only if we're right or, or close to right, right? Or if we're yeah, completely wrong, we'll, just, we'll create, yeah, we'll, we'll create some good content on it, right? Um, so, yeah. final one. I know you got a lot going on, so um, you know this is this is your time, kind of this, the sales plug. Where can people find upcoming events um, and, and, and what you got going on, at least now to the end of the year or into 2024? Yeah, you can always you know give me a follow on LinkedIn, and and I share all sorts of content and updates there. Um, check out surfandsales.com. Our next event is November 27th through December 1st in Playa Grande, Costa Rica. And if you're looking to participate in a in need sales community, go to market community, salespeople, customer success, marketing people to bounce ideas off of, uh, check out GTM United. Uh, we've got hundreds of people in there. We have live events and trainings three or four times a week. It's a great place to, to learn and, and kind of hang out with other salespeople and sales leaders. Awesome. And uh, everybody should, if, if nothing else, be able to check out Surf and Sales. Now, have, have you been able to take people very bad, no level at surfing and yeah. get them surfing I mean, honestly, to stay in the surfing? Yeah, for sure. Honestly, like 80% of people who come have never surfed before at all. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know the exact percentage, but a number of those people are, are like super into surfing now and have got the stoke. And then I get pictures sent and they're at the beach somewhere and they're, they're surfing in this cool spot. Oh, it's a lot of fun to be able to open up that, uh, as an activity, you know, for them for the rest of their life, something that they can get some exercise, connect with nature and, and it's just a, a healthy thing. So feel good about that. Awesome. Well, Scott, thanks for joining the podcast. Lots of knowledge that you dropped here and look forward to uh, following you and following the success. Appreciate that, Josh. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast. Special thanks to Scott for joining and sharing some of his knowledge. Make sure to follow in the, in the show notes, Scott, as well as Surf and Sales and all his up-to-date SaaS events. It's a great community to be a part of. Stay tuned for later this week as we dig into healthcare and recruiting by bringing a panel and really understanding the world of recruiting into healthcare. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review wherever you get podcasts. And thanks again.